Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. As I said this morning in the greeting, we're continuing in the faith chapter, and what a beautiful, all scripture is beautiful, but this chapter, just beautiful demonstrations of where the rubber meets the road, where these beautiful pillars of faith lived out their faith. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, we'll be starting in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Well, as we continue through the faith chapter, we're going to look at three more examples of faith this week. Last week, we took the two examples separately and, and, and just looked at them in the perspective from, from their perspective. As they demonstrated in, in that setting, in that context, how it is possible to please God. This week, we will walk through all three examples included in this text simultaneously as we look at the similarities of their walks of faith. We'll look at what they did, how they did it, and the result of their actions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this text of faith, Father. God, I pray that your spirit would guide us as we seek to understand this and study this this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. As with most of the people in this chapter, many of us have heard their stories many times. The case could probably be made that Noah is one of the best known people in the Bible. Well, what did he do? The scripture says he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Answers in Genesis estimates that it took somewhere between 55 and 75 years to build this ark. As always, Answers in Genesis, the ministry makes a pretty compelling case for their timeline. That 55 to 75 years is, is nearing a lifetime for us. That's a long time. And he had one goal during that time frame, to build this ark. If you've not been to the Ark Encounter in Kentucky as part of the Answers in Genesis ministry, I encourage you to go see that, if for nothing else, to see 
the immense size of the ark. And the way they have built it is the way they have interpreted Scripture. And I suspect that they're pretty close on their dimensions. It is a powerful demonstration, tangible, viewable, touchable, walkable representation of exactly what Noah did by faith. Not only was this a monumental task. I mean, he didn't call up the local lumberyard. If he had, I hope it was DC Metal, but no, if he didn't <laughs> if he if he could have called up the local lumberyard and just ordered the lumber delivered, that'd have been one thing. Well, the trees. They formed the trees, formed the beams to build this massive boat. If not, if, if for just that alone, the monumental task of building this massive boat, we can only imagine the ridicule that they faced. Building this massive boat in the middle of dry land, we can only imagine the scoffers the people taunting them, teasing them, calling them names. Next, and that was an amazing walk of faith. But next, we have Abraham. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We read, we read more about this in Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, the first two verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kin and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He told him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Micah, you want me to pull this other mic up? Or... All right. Can you hear me on that one now? We're still having a little... Issue with my wireless mic. Okay, there we go. Like I said, this ask was a big ask. This ask of Abraham. Maybe it wasn't as big as Noah's. But God was asking him to leave his country, his family, and his father's house. Today, with modern technology, we have video calls all around the world. If we have a loved one who's around the other side of the world, whether that be in ministry or even on a vacation, we can pull out our phones and we can, we can see what they're seeing. We can see them. We can talk to them instantly. No matter where we are, we can scroll through messages and pictures of friends and loved ones. We can, if we need to, travel home from anywhere in the world in less than a day. 
Not only did Abraham leave all of these things behind that God was calling him to leave behind, he did it not knowing where he was going. The text says not knowing where he was going. He went out in faith having no idea of his destination. His ultimate journey, looking back, was about 400 miles. 400 miles today for us would be, what, maybe a six or seven hour car ride? But he was on foot. And his journey was 400 miles, and he walked out in faith to do this. Had no idea how far he was going or where he was going. How would you look at someone today if they told you, I'm taking my family, I'm leaving, and oh yeah, I I don't know where I'm going. How would we look at them? What a powerful act of faith for Abraham. Finally, we have Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Verse 11, by faith, Sarai herself received faith to conceive, even when she was past the age In fact, she was 90 years old at this time. Each of these individuals walked these paths, uniquely amazing as each path was. How did they do it? Let's go through them again. Looking at Noah first. It says, by faith, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Being warned by God. God told him. How did he know that building this boat was the right thing to do? God told him. Now, that God told him opens a whole other question. Stick with me. We're going to get there a little bit later. But for the context of this point, he built it because God told him, because God warned him about events as yet unseen. There had never been a flood that had covered the whole earth. What Noah was saying, what he was doing, looked, for lack of a better phrase, looked absolutely insane to those around. Noah did it by faith. He could have been wrong. That would have been discouraging and embarrassing. You spend 75 years building a boat in the middle of dry land and it doesn't rain. Yeah, that would be an understatement that it would be discouraging and embarrassing. He did it by faith. How did he know what he was doing was what God wanted him to do? Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Noah was righteous, blameless, and walked with God. And as a result, when God spoke, Noah knew it. Noah lived for God and not for himself. Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. So, when God told Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence throughout the whole earth. I will destroy them with the earth. And then, in that text, he goes on to describe how to build the ark. 
and Noah obeyed. By faith, Noah had the ability and the courage to build the ark. How did Abraham have the courage to leave his home? He wasn't the righteous and blameless, what would you say, the righteous and blameless dude that Noah was. Abraham had some issues. He took matters into his own hands. He tried to accomplish God's promise on his own and fathered a child with his wife's handmaid. In his imperfection, in Genesis chapter 17, the first two verses, it says, Yet, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply it greatly. Still being sanctified, it was later in Genesis chapter 17 that in an attempt to protect himself, he, Abraham, tried to pass Sarah off as his, Sarah off as his sister. Yet Abraham, by faith, had went where God had told him to go. How did he have that faith? Verse 10 tells us. I believe it tells us we have the answer here. It says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Despite his imperfections, despite his stumbles, Abraham was able to do what God had asked him to do by looking forward, by keeping the big picture in mind. And then, when God was ready for him to realize the promise, he called him to walk before him and be blameless. And when circumstances required it, by faith, Abraham did. Finally, looking at Sarah, how did she conceive at such an old age? Verse 11, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's all scripture tells us. That's how she was able to have the power to conceive at 90 years old. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. God promised Abraham a son. But Sarah, at first, doubted that she could get pregnant in her old age. Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 10. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, Shall I have pleasure? Now, I want to point out that God is very much emphasizing in this text just how old they were. Stressing how amazing this was. How old they were. How worn out they were. How miraculous this was going to be. It's not specifically recorded in the Genesis account. But Sarah, 
obviously came around. She went from laughing at the thought to believing the promise. It took faith for both Abraham and Sarah to trust in God's provision in their physical bodies. The author says again, verse 12, that they were as good as dead. And not only was Sarah old, past the age of bearing children, she had never been able to bear children. Even during her younger years when she would, should have been physically able to bear children, she was never able to bear children. It wasn't just her age. It was something that her body had never done. But yet she believed that she would, and she did. Well, what was the result of all of these acts of faithfulness? Noah and his family were saved, but the world was condemned. Abraham and Sarah conceived a child. Verse 12, therefore, as a result of this, from one man and him as good as dead, To them were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. The reality of all of these circumstances left no doubt that God was sovereign, that God was in control. Their outcomes in all three circumstances was miraculous. God asked all of his children to do hard things. You're not going to be called to build a boat because God promised never to bring a great flood again. That's what the rainbow represents today. That's the promise that God gives us through the rainbow. You might be called to sell your comfortable house, to quit your good-paying job, to move to another land, to go into ministry, to live a life of singleness, to walk a difficult physical journey. You have a choice, no matter your circumstance. It might be, the choice might be in and whether you walk the circumstance at all. You may have an opportunity to run from the circumstance. But it will definitely be a choice and is how you walk in the midst of the difficult circumstance. How do you know? How do you know what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it? We've, we've all been there. Someone you love is choosing to do something that, we, that you don't understand, causing themselves or you hardship. We ask them, why? Why are you doing this? Their answer sometimes is, God told me to. Now, assuming that what they're planning to do isn't sin, Scripture gives us instructions on how to handle that. But what if it just doesn't make sense? Like building a huge boat in the middle of dry land, leaving their home without knowing where they're going, or claiming that they're going to have a miracle baby. What if it's something like that? Well, I encourage you, assess the situation. Are they using the God told me to as a trump card to get you off their back? 
Back off. Leave me alone. Is that why they're saying God told them to? Time will tell. Trust God. Trust God to reveal. It may be tomorrow. It may be in another generation. But trust God. God will show them and you. Next, speak truth. But let the truth stand on its own. Don't try to force it down their throat, proverbially. Don't try to make them understand. Trust God to give them everything they need to understand and then pray for them to make the choice. Again, pray. Pray for the situation and let God work. And be ready to get involved obediently if God asks you to. But then it comes back to us. How do we know what God is asking us to do? Whether it's intervening in someone else's choice or like Noah or Abraham or Sarah, if God is asking us to do something. Well, first of all, like Noah, seek righteousness, to be blameless, to walk with God. You cannot live in willful sin and expect to hear God. You cannot live in willful sin and expect to hear God. Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't be afraid of getting it wrong. Seek righteousness. Seek to walk in obedience to the things of God. To the commands of God. But don't be anxious about getting it wrong. Remember, taking matters into his own hands. Abraham had a son with Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, trying to save his life. He lied about Sarah being his wife. Sarah laughed at the prospect of having a baby. But God continued to give them opportunities to obey. He built their faith. He sanctified them. He set them apart. If you walk by faith, even after you've stumbled, God will do the same with you. He's long-suffering. He's patient. He's gracious. He will show you his plan. Abraham and Sarah had their miracle baby. But as we see in verse 9, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise. But as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob, never realized the possession of that land. 
it was over 600 years from the time of Abraham before his descendants would realize the fulfillment of that promise, before they would possess that land. But Abraham believed that God would keep his promise. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Promises from God, no matter how unlikely or even impossible they might seem, as we look at our circumstances, can be trusted. Because we can trust God's character. God cannot lie. And he will not make a promise that he will not keep. And the greatest promise he ever made was John chapter 316, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish like those condemned in Noah's day, but have eternal life. Because by faith, Noah built the ark. Because he did that, we have breath today. If Noah had said, God, no, it's too big, it's too hard. I don't want to take the chance. I don't want to do the work. Mankind would have ended there. And because by faith, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. We have a Savior. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I ask you this morning, what is your mountain? What requires extreme faith on your part? Because that's what is displayed here in these, in these three examples is extreme faith. Now, we shouldn't be on the hunt for the most extreme thing we can do to show our faith in God. But the reality of the matter is God is going to ask us to do hard things. Seemingly impossible things. No, as I said, it's not going to be to build an ark. It may not be anything to the degree of anyone in this, in this account, in any of the accounts today, but God is asking you to do something hard, something physically hard, something financially hard, something relationally hard, something that's unpopular, something that's going to make people think they're weird. Something that's going to make people think, why are they doing that? It, what, do they not see what it's costing me? What is God asking you to step out in faith and do? Why have you not done it? Are you seeking righteousness? Are you seeking to live a blameless life? Are you walking with God? Are you hearing, are you sensing the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Are you paralyzed in fear of man? Or are you walking in the reverent fear of God?
God asks us to trust him. To understand and to know and to walk like we believe that God is a God who fulfills his promises. That God is a God who does what he says that he will do. Remember last week, Abel walked a faithful life. And he died because of it. Your walk of faith, of extreme faith, requires you to hold loosely to this life. To the material things. To the relational things. To the reputation. To the popularity. To acceptance by other people. To your very breath. I encourage you this morning, ask yourself, what is God asking of me? Seek to walk faithfully and obediently in that for the glory of God and for the good of those who God has given you influence over. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for the gift of faith that you give us through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son. God, thank you this morning for the examples of faith in this chapter. Some imperfect, yet obedient, yet ultimately choosing to do what you ask them to do. Thank you for the testimonies of their walks of faith and to see the beautiful result of their walks of faith, Father. God, may our faith be built in reading and studying and observing their lives, Father. God, help us this morning as we are faced with hard things, either in trials or in opportunities to lead. God, that we would walk in faith, that we would be your agents, your agents in the furthering of your kingdom, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.